I really needed that this morning. Amen. That was a, a perfect song for where I find myself this morning. I needed to hear that affirmation uh, that, that we can trust God, uh, that he... Um, I'll tell you this, in my life, there's never been a step of, step of faith that I've taken that's been beyond my expectations, my desires, my wants. Uh, there's never been a step of faith that I've taken that God has not been true. <laughs> and sometimes we forget that, don't we? We forget how true God can be. But in my life, I found over and over, uh, when I let go of my borders and hang on to God's borders, God can do amazingly, exceedingly above what I even begin to, can even begin to imagine or expect. And I think in a lot of ways, as, as um, we move through this series, this is kind of an invitation to let go of those borders, to, to let go of those things that are holding you back and begin to dream big again. Uh, you know, what is God's big dream for you in 2018? And what, what is God wanting to do in your life? Where, where is God wanting you to let go of the borders in your life and grab hold of his unlimited borders and step out in faith? Where is God moving you? And we've been talking about how this is not achieved. We don't find God's big dream just by wanting it or desiring it, but there's steps, there's habits in our life. And, and we've talked about, you know, this is built in the, in the small relationships, the small builds to the big, and it's the day-by-day -day grind. <laughs> Uh, you know, life is not made up of big events, but the day-to-day -day of life and the habits of life build our life and allow us to live in God's big dream. And, and we've talked about spiritual disciplines. These are the things we do to, to feed our inner being. And, and, and we've talked just a little bit about that. And, and, and in our Bible study or our small group, if you've been participating in Ortberg's stuff, he, he talks about that. Spiritual disciplines, of course, or reading your Bible and praying and, and all these different things that we do as a habit of life so that we can live not just to our dream, but to God's dream for us. And, you know, God's got a dream for you, right? <laughs> God is calling you to be holy and significant and transformed by His Holy Spirit and live in His power. And we do these things through our, our daily habits. The habits aren't the point, but the habits empower us to live the life. And, and we talked about how spiritual disciplines are empty if they're not embodied. In other words, if, if, if we are simply consumers of God and not conduits for God to flow through, we're, we're missing the whole point of what God's trying to do in our church, in our lives, in our families. And in the first week of the series, remember we did, we did that, the spiritual or the exercise of, of just breathing out and how long can you breathe out and we can't do that very long and how long can you just breathe in, you can't do that very long either. And so life is made up of breathing in and breathing out. We breathe in God and we breathe God out. And that is the intention for God in your life. And, and when we begin to seize onto that, God can move in marvelous ways in our families, in our lives, in our church, in our workplaces. <laughs> you know what I like about this church? I see that so often in your lives. You know, we're, we're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Terry Moore. <laughs> when you have that distinctive amen, that gets you in trouble from time to time. We're not perfect, but, but I see God moving in significant ways in your lives. And I'm thankful for that. I see God breathing in and breathing out in your lives. 
And so the questions become, how do we embody spiritual disciplines? And, and that's, that's been the point of this series. And this series, You Make a Life By It, is not comprehensive by any stretch of the imagination. We could talk a long time about spiritual disciplines and breathing out God. But, but we focused on a few things. We focused on Sabbath. And this is releasing my need for production. And, and we began with that because for, for some of us, including myself, when I let go of the need to prove myself and to prove my own production and to prove my own value, and I step back and say, God, it does not depend on me, but it depends on you. When I'm able to step back from me, oftentimes God is able to work in a new and fresh way. We get so caught up in doing things our own way and our own power, and Sabbath is that habit that makes me stop and say, life does not depend on me. When we talked about Thanksgiving, and this is releasing my never-satisfied desire for more, and, and, and it, the, the, the habit of Thanksgiving, and, and I call it a habit. You know, we, we don't... Honestly, most of the time we get so caught up in life that unless we make it a point to be thankful for things, we will not be thankful. Because we get so caught up in the rat race and we get so caught up in what we do not have that, that we need to build into our life times, and I think daily times, where we stop and give God thanks for the blessings of our life. I'll be real transparent. You know, in my life, most of the time, my focus is on what I need God to do. Anybody else like that? <laughs> what if we reverse that, and most of the time, our focus was on what God already has done? <laughs> and then we've talked about forgiveness, and this is releasing my right to judgment. In other words, I am not God. God is God. And forgiveness is not reconciliation, but that's God's ultimate goal. Reconciliation only occurs when both parties want to participate, but we can all forgive. You can forgive. If you've been wronged, if somebody's done you wrong, you can forgive them right now without that person doing anything. It's just releasing and forgiveness is not this transaction between you and this other person. Forgiveness is a transaction between you and God. It's saying, God, I am giving this to you, and I'm not going to bear a grudge, and I'm not going to let bitterness eat me alive, but Lord, I'm giving this to you. And we've talked about generosity. Last week, we talked about generosity, releasing my finances to God. And if you didn't pick up one of those booklets, I'd encourage you to do it. And all these things, ways are 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 ways that we release ourselves, that we allow God to flow through us. <laughs> you know, as I, I think about this church, you, you, you exemplify these things so well. You're such a generous church. You are. You guys are generous. And, and I love that about you. I love all the things that I see in you. I see God in you. And I want God to show more in me and in us, don't you? Yes. Today we're going to talk about service. And service is releasing myself for the kingdom's use. Uh, the, to, to, to me, and, and like I said, as I, as I worked through this series, there, there were all sorts of um, orders that I placed it in. But, but to me, service in a lot of ways becomes almost that ultimate expression. But because service is, 
you ever hear the story, you know, it's an, it's an old story, and I probably won't even tell it correctly, about the little boy that just puts himself in the offering plate. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, nothing else to give but himself. And, and service is that. You know, the truth is, God may have your money, but God wants you. <laughs> he wants you. He wants all of you. And, and sometimes our finances hold us back, but oftentimes it's just we want to go so far with God. And in service, we go that extra step, and it becomes, God, I am yours to use. Amen. You know, as, as I think about service, I, I, I go back to love. And, and I think as we unpack what service looks like and what service is, I think service and love are very closely aligned in the kingdom. That, that you can't truly serve someone without expressing love to them. And, and if you love someone, you will serve them. This is in my notes. It isn't in my notes, but you know, as I think about that, you know, there, there's all sorts of gyrations that have went on, and you know, in the past, I can remember people talking about, you know, wives submitting and serving and all this stuff, and husbands submitting and serving. If you love someone, isn't that just the order of love? Amen. This this serving heart, and so I think when I think of service, I think of love, and when I think of love, I think of service. I, I think they're 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 parallel thoughts in the kingdom. And, and love, as we know, it, love is this ultimate command of the kingdom. That, that when we think of what Jesus has in mind for, for our church, the mark of our church, according to Jesus, is love. We love each other. He tells the disciples, they will know you are my disciples because you all have the same haircut. You know, you have long hair and a beard. No, he doesn't say that, does he? They will know you are my disciples because of your profound love for one another. So, so you know, think about that. So, so Jesus is saying, they're going to look at how you guys live. And they're going to know you were followers of me because of your your love for one another. So, so are, are they looking at their heart and, and, and John's just telling Peter, you know, you know, I love you, brother. You're so great. Oh, you're so awesome. And, and, and they're, they're knowing the intention of their heart. No, they're seeing how they're serving one another and they're forgiving one another and they're generous with one another. So, so they're seeing these acts of service and that's defined as love. Now, what is Love. And, and we've talked about this often, and you know, I, I think it's important because we're bombarded with incorrect images of love. Amen. I make fun of Terry all the time, and I'll make fun of the second service too. Just last night, her parents are in town, and so we were getting to watch a Hallmark movie downstairs. Amen. Lord, help me. I think in my next career, I will write Hallmark movie scripts. They are the simplest thing to, to write. Give a girl a boyfriend, find her another one, all right? <laughs> we have this Hollywood definition of love, and it's, it's something that's this feeling that we have. It's, it, it, it's, it's something that, you know, it, that's a beneficial thing. It's what somebody, how someone makes you feel or how you make someone else feel. feel. It's about, it's about <laughs> Valentine boxes and Valentine candy. Man, it, isn't it profound that Valentine's Day this year falls on Ash Wednesday? 
Maybe, maybe, maybe that's your different date this year, and it's your cheaper date, guys. So I mean, I'm not saying, but it's, it's like instead of instead of spending too much at a restaurant, let's go to church and focus on Jesus, who shows us what love is. Amen. See, see, love is more than a feeling. And it's more than just self-sacrifice. And it's more than just hurting yourself for someone else. But love is practically meeting the needs of others through my own resources. That is the agape love that God demonstrates. That, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't something we could do, but Jesus gave what we couldn't. That is love. And when I think about service... Service is oftentimes defined by that. It is simply meeting the needs of someone else through my own resources. It's, it's the giving of myself. It's the letting go of pride and being what someone else needs me to be. Now, now Jesus, of course, is our example. In Matthew 20, <laughs> this interesting story. Um, Matthew 20, beginning in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, said, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it, you, is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these sons, two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. <laughs> now, we can blame their mother. I think the sons put their mother up to it. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. <laughs> can you... I don't know. Every once in a while, I think we read these, these stories and these disciples. Oh. <laughs> you know, Jesus had conflict in his little congregation too. So why do we think that there will never be conflict in any kind of following of Jesus? It happens, okay? Everybody happy now? Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just curious, who heard, who heard the Martin Luther King ad during the Super Bowl and went and bought a Dodge Ram? Any, anybody out there? <laughs> this expression, this, this manner of service, what, what Jesus is talking about is found in Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, it's this great hymn of the church. They say, have the mind, Paul writes, have the mind of Jesus Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but instead emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, of a slave. So, so Jesus expresses this, this ideal. Jesus lived this ideal that, that, that Jesus gave up so that we could benefit from what he gave up. Became a servant. 
So, so what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this passage? What, what do we learn from Philippians 2? What's it mean to have the mind of Jesus? To follow Jesus means that we serve others. <laughs> if, we're going to be, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to serve. And if you can think of no places in your life or no people in your life that you're serving, you're missing God's call for your life. It's why Jesus came. This ideal of serving. And, and, and he emptied himself. And, and, and so we're serving, we're following, uh, we're serving by following or following by serving. And over and over in, in the New Testament, we see this ideal. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to serve. Matter of fact, we're going to do this rethink series and we're going to look through the suffering servant. Isaiah, we're beginning at, at the end of Isaiah 52, which is uh, sometimes connected with Isaiah 53. And, and, and we're, we're going to look at Isaiah 52 through 53, or the end of Isaiah 52, and, and just look at what it means to be a servant. To, to rethink our servanthood in the light of Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to make a confession. Sometimes I don't much like to do that. That's the truth. Because what I see in Jesus is something different than the culture calls us to. Uh, you know, we're, we're a culture where suffering is avoided. We're a culture where, where, where death is, is, is ran from. We're a culture where we can't wait for anything. We're a culture that lives contrary. Our culture, not our church, but our culture calls us to a life contrary to the life of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, Bear, take my yoke upon you. <laughs> I'm humble. My, my burden is light, but this is where you'll find life. First Peter says this, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Over and over. Serve, serve, love, serve, all these things. Now, there's three things I want us to see, or a couple things I want us to see about service. First, true service is not easy. Amen? Can somebody give me an amen? You guys are going to have to, you're going to, have to pick up your game because we've got people out because they heard that it might be icy and snowy out there. That's all we have to ha hear in, in, in in Marysville, and they cancel school for a week. Uh, it may snow. True service is not easy. And we, we all have obligations. We have schedules that are frantic, and, and we're running here and there. And, 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 and sometimes we become, we become enslaved to our calendar. Man, just this week, I, I was frantically running to Subway, and I was getting Spencer food, and I had to be here, and I had to do this. And let me tell you, if I don't get Spencer food, it gets ugly. <laughs> I was kind of frantic, and I was, I was backing my car up out of Subway, and a car was backing straight towards me, and I about had a collision. And then I realized I was just seeing my own car in the, in the window. <laughs> That's right, I'm just like a bird. <laughs> you know, we get, we get frantic and we get confused. And, and, and sometimes, you know, God's call becomes 
it's placed on the second burner or, or as maybe later when I get through this. And I can't speak to the priorities of your life and the priorities of your schedule. Only you know that. And I wouldn't presume that. But God can. And if there's something in your schedule that maybe you need to let go of because you're not leaving space to serve, then, then I'd say talk to God. Ask him, is there places that you want me to serve? Am I making a priority, God, of expressing your love through service? True service leads to life. <laughs> it does. Simple service leads to life. That, that when we serve other people, we show them, and I've used this phrase over and over, but I love the phrase, when we serve in love, we show the face of God. Amen. And, and it doesn't have to be complicated, mind-altering service. You guys are so friendly on Upward. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not hard to smile at people. You're, 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 you're so friendly and gracious and kind and, and so ready with the coffee, praise the Lord. And I see that. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say where I was. I was at another church that had upper greeters. They weren't near as pretty as you guys. They were. <laughs> you guys are smiling. You're showing the face of God. I mean, and it, it's not like it's, it's something that, that's taking that much, but it's just being there and showing Jesus. And that's just one area. There's all sorts of places that you can serve, and it leads others and us to life. In Proverbs, it says, A generous man will prosper. Prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Tell so we've got a, a couple people in our congregation that I really believe exemplify this, and they're part of our loving ministry. And Terry and Sharon, uh, Terry Moore, and Sharon Carcone. Almost called you Terry and Sharon Moore, but uh, that had been confusing. Uh, start rumors. Uh, uh, Terry, Car- uh, Terry Moore, and Sharon Carcone. We got a video of them. So Terry and Sharon, uh, you guys have been kind of uh, dubbed as our congregational care and prayer team. So why don't you guys just share just a little bit about what that looks like? <laughs> well, um, we visit people in the nursing homes and in their own homes somewhat and um, uh, pray with them, um, take people to different uh, appointments um, doctor's appointments, appointments uh, for treatment that they need. Um, we've, I've, we've even been known to wash some floors when there's somebody that <laughs> couldn't do them anymore. Um, and just various things that we can that come to us from from different people that need them. Um, we could sometimes take care of people's animals while they're in the hospital. <laughs> but, don't get any ideas. <laughs> so, what does your typical week look like? I, most of the time, I'm going all five days up to seven days. I've got people that I take their food to. I got, I have my van set up with handicap equipment, a way to get in. Most of the people that I deal with has no way of transportation. They ask me to take them to their doctor's appointments, to get groceries, to just common things. Go pay their bills. Uh, I usually end up with like people that's had 
knee replacements, hip replacements, shoulders. I take care of them. I change their bandages. I do their wounds. I do their physical therapy with them. I go to the therapy stations and they show me what they need to be done. And I do it at, I do it at home with them so that they make sure they get their therapy done right. I, uh, I've been with so many people that their loved ones are being taken home. And then I just, I pray with them. I, I help them cross over. I read them scriptures. I show them in the Bible. Assure them that God is in control and that they will take good care of them. And then I follow up with the ones that are left, like myself. God is not done with any of us that are still left here. We have to continue to do His work while we're here on this earth and become His disciples, His eyes, His ears, His mouth. Whatever God requires is what we have to do. How's God used your individual life experiences to kind of prepare and equip you for this job that you have now? Well, I was a, a surgical nurse. I've been retired about 12 years, so don't ask me anything. <laughs> and so that's helped a lot in um, just knowing getting to know people and getting to know what they need and trying to carry that out. And uh, what, before we get too further into this, I want to thank God for giving us the ability to do that, Amen. the physical ability. Um, it's, it's, you get almost more back than you give. Um, and it's just a blessing to be able to help some of these people out. My background is I, I was on a, 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 the ENT squad in, in on the two factories I worked in. We had to go through physical training all the time, emergency situations, taking care of people. And then when I find out all these people have to go to rehab or do rehab, they don't understand. So I go with them into their rehab sessions or their doctors and they explain everything that needs to be done, how to treat the wound. And since I have taken care of Sharon most of my life, I've learned how to do all that thanks to God's gift that he gives me. If someone is interested in kind of joining you guys in your ministry, what would you tell them, what would you encourage them to do to kind of take the next steps? That's what I, I was going to say. Get, get Pastor Fall first. But most of them, I think he's told several times about us doing things, taking people by word of mouth. And then, like, for instance, Kenny, whose wife just passed away. He talked to me when I was down the viewing the other night, and he says, what do I do now? What do I do from here? And I said... How would you like to take people places? How would you like to get involved in helping other people? I said, now you've went through it and you understand what it means. People need people every day. Just to be able to, if you do nothing but just sit and listen and let them talk to you. They're lonely. They need somebody to talk to. Just be, let God take control. Would you give Terry and Sharon a hand? <laughs> Terry was, uh, well, I met you all because, before you voted on me even, and I came up here. But Terry, I met 
uh, at the hospital the night before I preached my first message here. I went, uh, Betty Mosley was in the hospital having an emergency surgery, and, and there was Terry. And so uh, uh, they are, um, you don't hear enough about them, in my opinion. Uh, they do so much. We, we thought about just attaching a camera to Terry's head and just uh, showing where he went all week and Sharon's head and just letting you see it like that. But I know so many people that... Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many surgeries I've been to, and, and there's such Sharon uh, with, with families as well. And if you do want to be involved and, uh, in, in a small way or a big way, see me. See Terry and Sharon, and we'll plug you in. We'll find a way for you to be involved in their ministry or their loving ministry. I love the story of John 13, and I talk about this often, but I think it's a template to what service looks like. You know the story, John 13, Jesus is, it's the last night he's with the disciples, and, and nobody wants to wash anybody else's feet, and we all understand that. And, and finally, Jesus gets up, and he, he takes off his outer robe, and he gets a, a basin of water and a towel, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And, and doing this, Jesus wasn't... Jesus wasn't trying to create a new ritual. He was meeting a need out of his own resources. And he wasn't too big. He wasn't too proud. He wasn't too much of a leader not to serve. You know, I've often wondered, you know, John's the only gospel that includes this in his narrative. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, none of them include it. John includes it. And, and John is the last gospel that's written. And, and, and you wonder why does that, you know, it's so significant. The story is so powerful. When you read it, you know, it just, it just stands out. And you wonder why didn't the other gospel writers include it? I mean, maybe it was embarrassment that Jesus washed their feet. You know what I think it was? I think it was just so much like Jesus. They could have told a thousand stories just like that where he just practically met the needs of someone else through his own resources. See, the, the washing of feet wasn't ritual. It was a need. So the question for you, you this morning is, where will you serve this week? Is there a place already in mind that, that you know I'll be serving? As I look around this congregation, I know so many of you are already serving. And who will you serve? Is there a name and a place? And I'll give you two words, intentionality and availability. Are you being intentional about finding places to serve, and are you available to serve? Um, I think of, well, we, Terry talked about um, the passing of, um, of Shirley Bowersmith. And, you know, most of you know Kenny and Shirley. Kenny and Shirley... Uh, were baptized. I can't remember if it was this Easter or the Easter before. They were just baptized. Uh, Christy led them to the Lord in their home, and and Kenny and Shirley had come for many years uh, to our to our fellowships. And I, I I can remember the first time I met Kenny and Shirley. We were sitting out there for a fireworks party, and, and they came to picnics and they came to different things many times before they came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and at the um, at the funeral, or the visitation, I, at the funeral, I told Kenny, I said, you know, Kenny, this is a completely different funeral than it would have been, but for Mary. And so I called Mary, I said, Mary, how did you get to know Kenny and Shirley? She goes, oh, well, um, their neighbor called me and said, hey, there's this couple that's just going through a hard time. Would you go pray with them? You know, and Mary could have said, too busy. Don't know him. 
She could have made all sorts of excuses. But she went and spent some time, and she followed up and prayed with him. In Ortberg's material, he talks about the ministry of interruption. This, this ability to be interrupted in our life to serve someone else. And I think if you're available and you're intentional, God will give you people and God will give you places where you can serve. Now, this is the last week of the Dream Big. Um, we, we can dream big. We can. You can dream big. Not, not because of yourself. We have a big God who has big dreams for his people. And so you can dream big in your personal life, and your family life. You can dream big for your church. I believe we have permission to dream big, not because we're special, but because God is special. As I thought, how would we close this series? I thought, I'll just close it with my life first. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, a living, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will.